Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Actually, it's week seven. We're here to talk about week six games, so whatever. Same thing. Welcome back to the Game on Fantasy podcast. My name is Tyler Grisigoric. As always, uh, I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford to talk about these matchups. Gage, this was a crazy week. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I had a couple really good fantasy outings, but I had a lot of really bad ones this week. I had some brutal matchups, uh, injuries, buys, kind of, kind of got after me in a couple of leagues. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was talking to some of my buddies about the the matchups this past week, and there was just a lot of oddities in a lot of different games. And it kind of was all uh, capped off with Derrick Henry and his 94-yard touchdown run uh, in, in uh, the fourth quarter of that game against the Texans. So, uh, you know, that game had a lot more points than I thought it would, and Derrick Henry was really the biggest reason why. So I had I got part of that one right, and so that's where we're going to start today. We're going to start with that Texans Titans games. What were some of your immediate takeaways? Tannehill's good. Deshaun Watson, in fact, is also good at football. Um, Derrick Henry's good at football. Yeah, it, it, the main thing, like all all seriousness here, though. The tight end position for Tennessee is a valuable piece, no matter who it is. Johnny Smith left this game early, had one catch for 13 yards on two targets. And as soon as he left, Anthony Ferkser came in, had a 22% target share, which led the team, led the team in targets with nine, caught eight for 113 and a touchdown. Uh, if you listened to our, if you watched our live stream on Sunday morning, I had Johnny Smith as my play of the day because I thought he was going to keep rolling. If he had stayed healthy, I probably I think that I probably would have nailed it. I didn't know he was going to get hurt and that Anthony Ferkser was going to take the job, but I think John is expected to miss at least next week, if not two weeks. So if so, if that's the case and you have John who's your starting tight end, Ferkser looks like he's going to be a valuable piece. I will say though, next week tough matchup against Pittsburgh. Even without Devin Bush, that is going to be a tough matchup for any tight end. Uh, they just have. They just have all the right pieces and all the right places in that Pittsburgh defense to to really give anybody fits. So, looking at this game though, Brandon Cooks came out again. I think he had uh, what was it nine for sixty eight and a score. So on nine targets, so caught all of them. Yes, which is nice. So Brandon Cooks is returning to form as that really really reliable uh, wide receiver two flex option for you moving down the stretch. As long as he stays healthy, which is a big if. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, it seems like he will be. Uh, he will be able to produce for you. And I, there was no reason why you thought that he couldn't produce for you in Houston. Uh, will Fuller also produced six catches, 123 in a score. So 
11 targets for him is the big number. Uh, Darren Fells has seven targets. I, I feel like Darren Fells is the name that just keeps on sticking around as like a nuisance. I'll say this. I can't trust this t- the tight end room here because there was, uh, I think it was week three, Darren Fells had a great matchup and then he got completely game scripted out and Jordan Akins, I think, was the guy. He was out and for this Jordan- game. And so I, yeah, so maybe that's all it is. Like, I think if Jordan Akins returns, Akins sees more of a role in the, in the offense. I love Darren Fells. I think he's a talented player. I stash him in a couple of dynasty leagues. He's a little long in the tooth, but he's still in an offense that throws the ball a lot. Maybe when Akins comes back, he doesn't necessarily maintain this same role. Seven targets was third on the roster. A quick rundown of Cook's stats over the last two weeks. He's got 21 targets. He's caught 17 of them. He's got 229 yards and two touchdowns. He is exactly what you hoped he could be when he got to Houston. And I think that, as long, like you said, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a legitimate flex option, low-end wide receiver two every single week. Indeed, indeed. David Johnson, uh, yet another really lackluster outing. 19 carries, 57 yards. Again, it's a, it's a tough, tough matchup for him, so you kind of expected it. But he's only averaging about three yards per carry uh, in this. Yeah, he averaged three yards per carry in this game. So he saved the day with a touchdown rushing, uh, but he did not do anything in the receiving game, which is where his primary value has always been when he has had value. So David Johnson really is just a borderline week-to-week flex option at this point. Uh, you're probably looking to play most other guys over him, but at the same time, you don't have a lot of other choices. But you'll take... If you're getting 12 points in your flex, that's that's not bad. You, you'll, you'll take that. So uh, let's let's move to the Titans side of the ball. Uh, I thought that AJ Brown returning could really affect Johnny Smith, and I think in a way it did, um, even regardless of the injury. Because I'm looking at the tight end position here. Obviously, Anthony Ferkser was the main benef- uh, main benefactor of Johnny Smith's injury, but I thought AJ Brown and his return could really be the biggest uh, thorn in the side of Johnny Smith as a productive player. So something that remains to be seen, but he did have five catches for 56 yards, two scores on seven targets. Ferkster had nine targets. So eight catches, 113 and a score. Uh, it's hard to imagine that Ferkster will continue to produce like that, but I think that he's still going to be a viable option for you with, with Johnny Smith out who appears to be a week to week option or a week to week injury. Sorry. Yeah, no, with uh, Brown, obviously Brown's back. He's he's good. Adam Humphreys is going to see his role dwindle next week because uh, I believe Corey Davis was activated yes, off the COVID list today. So Adam Humphreys, uh, his stock uptick was short-lived. He'll trend down now. Anthony Ferkser will be a week-to-week option as long as Jonu Smith is out. Um, yeah, he's not going to have eight for 113 a touchdown next week, and if he does, I'll be stunned. So... But I think that as long as Johnny's out, Ferkser is a decent streaming option. Absolutely. All right, let's move on here to Bengals-Colts. This was actually a good game. Colts came back and won this game, but they were getting trounced in the first half. Uh, I keep saying about the Bengals, the Bengals are really close. I think next year we're going to see a big step from them, and they'll be a playoff contender next year uh, as long as they continue to add pieces. But the, the Bengals uh, were taking it to them in the first quarter into the second quarter. I think they were up 24 to nothing at one point, and uh, they ended up losing 31 to 27. Uh, Joe Burrow, it was not his fault. Joe Burrow was fantastic. And so. But he, the, he, but he, ha- he didn't throw any touchdowns. He didn't throw any touchdowns. An interception. Right. So. His, yeah. He, he had a good day. Like, don't get me wrong. He had a good day. 
and he he was doing exactly what I said needs to be done. This Colts defense is not that good. They weren't. They only got two sacks on Burrow on the day, despite having a dramatically like overmatched line. They only got three quarterback hits on the or they got six quarterback hits on the day. I, I just don't think that like this defense is that good. And Joe Burrow was proving that with T Higgins. He connected with AJ Green, who showed some life. Eight for ninety six on eleven targets. Tyler Boyd had five for fifty four on eight. T. Higgins was obviously the big the big uh, winner of the day. Six for 125 on eight targets. Had a huge day. Nearly had a touchdown. I believe the Bengals had two different receivers go down at the one-yard line on the, on the afternoon. So that was kind of rough to see. But it was clear that Joe Burrow is a rising star in this league. We all knew who he was coming in. He's a no, number one overall pick. He wasn't flying under the radar in that aspect. But he is going to be a special player. They get him some offensive line help. There was a joke going around Twitter from everybody in draft Twitter doing mock drafts today of just draft nothing but offensive linemen for the Bengals next year, and it's not the worst idea. I, you have to get Joe Burrow help. I don't think they need help in the receiver room right now. Uh, T. Higgins is not to, not to my surprise, but T. Higgins has been fantastic. He's just he is just built like an NFL receiver. AJ Green, you can say return to form. Eight catches on eleven targets, ninety six yards. Uh, probably a good showing for him. Maybe before he gets shipped out at the trade deadline? Question mark. Uh, Tyler Boyd, five catches, fifty four yards, uh, eight targets. It's a solid day for him. He didn't get in the end zone, but you're getting a solid floor with Tyler Boyd. That's exactly what he gave you this week. Uh, so I'm still not worried about that stat line at all. I'm not worried about the fact that A.J. Green out-targeted them. Uh, But if A.J. Green does start to kind of put it back together, watch out for this Bengals offense because this this passing attack could be really, really lethal um, to a lot of teams who are not going to have three good corners. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, he had 18 carries, 54 yards, saved the day with a score uh, on the ground. He had two catches for 15 Giovanni Bernard snaked a touchdown at one point. I think it was his first rushing touchdown in... A long period of time so it uh it's not much to take away here it's just that all three i think all three bengals receivers are flexible at this point in time yeah i agree they are all uh flex options at this point aj green is the one i'm most concerned about putting in my lineup t higgins and tyler boyd i'm pretty comfortable with either one of those guys if i'm slotting them in the the thing about aj green is that and this is why i'm willing to have confidence in him was obviously it's the injuries and then the second part of it is when he's been getting thrown at, he's been unco- uh, inconsistent, excuse me. Um, so if he's starting to bring down these targets, I- I'm, I'm comfortable putting him in the flex. I might give him another week before I start giving him the, the true stamp of approval, but I'm definitely, on the, I'm definitely on the path to forgiving A.J. Green and getting him back into my lineups because he's just that good of a receiver. And I think that the age has not affected him yet. He's still getting open. He's still incredibly athletic. You can see that. It has just been the drops for him, which is a mental game, and I think that he can get over that being the type of receiver that he is. On the, Indiana- on the Indianapolis side of the ball, excuse me, Jonathan Taylor is the only, only Colts running back you should have at this point. 12 carries, 60 yards. Naheem Hines, he had five catches for 27 uh, to Taylor. Taylor had four for 55, though. So, you know, really, you're looking at the receiving work for Naheem Hines. It's not even really there. He's getting a lot of the short game work, but he's not getting any of the receiving work. I'm sorry, any of the rushing work. work. Any of the rushing work. Uh, But we could talk about Marcus Johnson. Did talk about him. He had eight targets this week. And so then T.Y. Hilton, I think, had a... He had a touchdown that was called back that would have saved his day. And so Trey Burton had a big day. I think he had two scores, one on the ground, one in the air. 
Yep, Trey Burton had four for 58 and a touchdown on the day on five targets, which was the leader among the tight ends for the day. Right, so I think Trey Burton becomes a top tight end option moving forward, especially with all the uncertainty around Zach Ertz and his his ankle injury, uh, coupled with the bye weeks coming up and all the COVID situations that are likely to appear at some point here that we just don't know about yet. So I'll probably be picking up Trey Burton if I can, if he hasn't been picked up already in my leagues. So anything else you're looking to do here with this Colts offense? Uh, no, uh, Marcus Johnson had a good day, 5 for 108, 8 targets. The one thing, though, temper expectations. I think I talked about this either on the podcast last week or on the Sunday morning show. I He got all those on, like, just deep shots. And I understand that, oh, well, deep shots happen, but they weren't – They don't. this team doesn't throw the ball. Like, Phillip Rivers, even when he was throwing those deep balls, didn't look – it didn't look like it should be going as far as it was. He was like throwing ducks through the air, and he was just getting lucky that Marcus Johnson was magically finding his way open. I still don't think that Johnson is necessarily a super like consistent play, but he is trending upwards right now. So similar to Trey Burton, those are two guys that I would go to look to add, especially if you're dealing with injuries or um, bye weeks, COVID, etc. So I think we asked a similar question earlier in one of our podcasts, but Marcus Johnson or Zach Paschal? I'm going to stick with Zach Pascal. Uh, I've seen more production from Pascal in a longer setting. Pascal got the touchdown. He had seven targets, so it's not like he, it's not like he got dramatically out like targeted here. Like if it was Marcus Johnson at eight and Zach Pascal had like three, we might be having a different conversation. But he only had one more target than him. He also got the touchdown. Johnson was big play reliant, um, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lean Pascal, but they're. Johnson is definitely closing the gap. Fair enough, fair enough. I probably would lean. I probably would lean Johnson at this point. I think he offers a boomer, boomer bust play uh, that you can put on your bench and in the throw into the lineup in an emergency sense. He does. Yes, I, I do agree in that sentiment. All right, let's move on. Broncos Patriots. This was actually a fun game. It was a gross game in a lot of ways. But Broncos Patriots. Uh, Patriots probably should end up winning this game, even though they had no business winning the game. They probably should end up winning it anyway. Uh, they. They were putting themselves in a position to win the game for sure. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, 10 carries, 76 yards, one score. Didn't do so hot in the air. Uh, 17 for 25, 157, and two interceptions. Granted, one of those interceptions was pretty fluky. If I remember correctly, the, maybe both of them were not that good. I know one of them for sure was really fluky. Uh, the other one uh, was it was not his fault at all. And so... He saves his day with the rushing work, which has always been where he makes his bread and butter. Uh, so between those two things, I don't know where he finished on the week, but he's probably a high-end QB2. Uh, so looking at the rest of the offense, I don't know what the hell to do, excuse me, what the heck to do <laughs> with the rest of this offense. Uh, James White, eight receptions, 65 yards. Good to see him come back to form. Uh, and that's you know that's exactly what you're hoping for in the flex from him. He's the only person on this entire Patriots roster that I'm willing to start for fantasy right now. You also asked where Cam Newton finished as of right now prior to the Monday night games being put in. He's QB9 on the week. Nice. He, he finished with 19.48 points. Obviously, that it varies depending on how your scoring format does it. Like I know it's Scott Fishbowl. His points got tanked, but... It just depends on where you like where you play at and how like how your scoring is done. James White's the only one I really want to roster at this point, and that's exclusively in PPR formats. I'm holding Ingle on to Harry. Harry. I'm holding on to him, but 
Dude had two targets, didn't catch either one of them. This team can't get anything going through the air. I understand the Broncos have a good defense, but this Bronco, this Patriots team, has, outside of like week one, they haven't looked good. They've looked bad. I don't have any faith in them like fixing that. Yeah, so that's, the, they like, played I'm the, not dropping Harry, but if there's a better, like more high, well, okay, here, let's put it this way. Would you rather roster and kill Harry or Mike Marcus Johnson at this point? Still Harry. Harry. I still get Harry. Okay. Okay, I mean Harry hasn't done anything, and Marcus Johnson just had five for one hundred eight. But sure. But you just called. You just said yourself that he's a little bit fluky, Marcus Johnson. Yeah, Marcus Johnson's fluky, but Harry has consistently struggled. At least Johnson is fluky, flukily playing well. We'll see. If it, if they if they do this another week, the same exact things. Harry struggles this next week, and Marcus Johnson is able to be productive. We'll talk about this next week. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Broncos side of the ball, Philip Lindsay, 23 carries, 101 yards. Drew Locke, uh, his stat line does not show how well he actually played. I thought he played better than what his stats show. Uh, Those two late picks really bring his day down because I know that those are both in the fourth quarter, and that makes his day look not great. Yeah, he had, he didn't have any touchdowns, but I heard his, that outside of that, like this game, I watched nothing. I saw no snaps of this entire game. I've only gotten like what people have talked about of it. And what I heard is Drew Locke was playing decent outside of those two late picks. Yeah, no, he was playing well. The stat line does not indicate his performance in this game, so I wouldn't be worried if you're if you're worried about Drew Locke. He's still going to be what we thought he was going to be. Uh, Receiving-wise, Tim Patrick led this receiving core with eight targets. Uh, Albert Okoebunam, uh, he had six targets, and there was a good period of time where they sh- they just force-fed him like four or five targets right right one after the other. So I think that... What we're learning here from this Denver offense is that they are going to feature Noah Fant heavily when he comes back, and if he's not going to be there, it's still going to be Albert Okoibunum, and you can still play him. Uh, I think you can play him as a streamable tight end option because he's going to get the volume, I believe. They, they clearly see the mismatch there. He should have had two scores. Like If you watch this game, maybe that's just a testament to him as a player, but he should have had at least one score and probably two. He, his numbers should, number should have been a lot bigger than they were. Uh, he was really making some some nice plays, and he just wasn't able to finish them. Uh, Jerry Judy, kind of disappointing. Two catches on 32 for five, or out of five. Uh, that'll pick up. I, I believe it'll pick up. Get Drew Locke back into the offense. It's his first week back. They're not playing the Patriots. You get, he doesn't get Stephon Gilmore. The secondary for the Patriots is pretty good. We all know what Bill Belichick can do to the team's best players. That That won't be a norm. Yeah, Judy's going to have better weeks. Tim Patrick's a thing, though. Um, I roster Patrick in a lot of places, and I am making sure that he finds his way into my lineup with these bye weeks coming up because it's clear that he's going to be a thing regardless of Drew Locke or Brett Rippon or or Jeff Stidham or whoever else is – or no, not Jared Stidham. Jeff Driscoll, whoever else is under center. He's going to be a thing. Uh, Philip Lindsay is interesting to monitor moving forward. I want to see what they do. Like, I think Melvin Gordon comes back this week. And if that's the case, Philip Lindsay is maybe a, a, maybe a flex option in extra deep leagues, but I'm not even convinced of that. Lindsay came back first game after not playing for three or four weeks and they gave him 23 carries and Royce Freeman only had eight on the afternoon. So Philip Lindsay is as long as Gordon's out, he's viable for fantasy. Albert O, uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name because I know I'm going to butcher it. Uh, as long as Noah Fant is out, he's going to be a thing. And then, like you said, when Fant comes back, Fant is going to be heavily featured in this offense. I was all in on Fant 
all all year last year and all off season and before his injury we were seeing that they were getting him the ball they were trying to run it through the tight end and they were going to run it on the ground and i think that that'll continue as the season moves forward right and as he should be fan is a super talented football player and they spent a top pick on him so he should be one of the feature pieces of this offense and i'm excited to see that finally come to fruition let's move on to falcons vikings a what a game here the vikings uh, i've been talking them up i was like oh they're the better team than the bears and then they come out and they put up a performance like this they looked awful they looked so bad uh i take back everything i said so bad like they the things that other teams have been able to do like run the football they couldn't run the football and that's their strength it didn't make any sense at all it definitely felt like the falcons came out with a chip on their shoulder this defense was flying around and making so many plays things that we had not seen them do yet this year so maybe this can be a turning of the tide for the falcons maybe they can salvage the season a little bit i don't think they're a playoff team obviously but if this defense can become viable that does change things moving forward uh maybe not as many shootouts as as we've been getting so far this season with them. Oh no, yeah. shootouts are still going to happen. <laughs> There's I have no doubts about that because here's the difference. Like, yeah, this defense improved and had three picks, but they were also playing against Kirk Cousins. And it's not even like Kirk was under pressure. I understand that, had, but they just I, looked I, I, different. They looked they, yeah. different. He got hit eight times, jeez, and he got sacked once. They were so. flying. It was equivalent to what the Buccaneers did to the Packers. Like it was a, it, they took it up another level. And that's the thing about this Falcons defense. That's their whole – they were – they're predicated on speed and just flying around the field. That's their whole thing. That's why they – that's why when they made that run to the Super Bowl, that's what made them effective is they were faster than everybody else that they were going up against because even at the – like at the linebacker spot, they had athletes. On on the defensive line, they had athletes. So I think that this team's still going to get into plenty of shootouts. Uh, we're going to regularly see teams top 30 – against them that won't surprise me at all but it is um i i did it was a welcome sight to see them actually show some life after five weeks of nothing absolutely and moving on here matt ryan had a hell of a day 30 for 30 out of 40 for 371 and four scores that's the matt ryan you were hoping that you were going to get when you drafted him in the 10th round of your fantasy drafts because this is why you don't draft quarterbacks early uh todd Gurley, 20 carries for 47 yards brian hill 10 for 28 uh Gurley's still getting the work Gurley is getting 60 percent of the carries and that's good enough for me uh, I'm, I'm good with Gurley right now. It was not a good day on the ground overall, but the Vikings defense has been good against the run this year. So understandable there. He had he paired that with three catches for 20 yards to have a decent fantasy day. Uh, he's still a flexible option, probably RB2 worthy most of the season. Uh, so let's see here. Plus Julio when your Jones. team has 371 yards through the air, you don't exactly have to run the ball. Exactly, and they still like, gave him 20 carries. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just wanted that to be clear. Like, I'm also in on Todd Gurley like you are, and if people are like, oh, he had a bad day, it's because he's washed. No, it's when your team puts up 371 yards through the air, you don't exactly have to run the ball very well. But, yeah, the defense, Minnesota has been good defending uh, the run, at least by comparison to how they've defended the pass. Right, and Julio returned to form. Uh, eight, eight catches, 137 yards, two scores, and might I add, one of those was a red zone touchdown. So we are getting Julio production this this week. Uh, hopefully it continues. He looked fully healthy. He looked really good. Calvin Ridley had another Ridley-like day. Uh, six, car- six carries, six catches, 61 yards and a score. Uh, Russell Gage, four receptions, 65 yards. He's still a flexible option. 
with Julio. Without Julio, Gage has been not been that good. With Julio, Gage is a viable option as a flex receiver, which sounds weird because you'd think there's less targets, but uh, there's just something about it that, that Gage is latching onto. Uh, Hayden Hurst, four catches, 57 yards, and a score, uh, and then the rest of it is negligible. I think it's he dominates, like Russell, speaking about Russell Gage, he dominates those underneath targets. Julio and Calvin, Julio is, the, is a, can hit routes everywhere, but he's great on deep routes. Calvin Ridley can really work those intermediate to long routes as what, like those intermediate to long ranges. Russell Gage really is great in those short to intermediate ranges. He works well underneath. He has got, he's got decent size, decent speed. Um, and that's that's where he wins. And then obviously with Julio back, he's instead of being guarded by number oh, number one or two corner, he's being guarded by a third corner. And like you said earlier about the Bengals, not everybody that they go up against is going to have three great corners. So, so yeah, I think that Russell Gage is uh, still a good flex option. Hayden Hurst showing consistent life now, four for fifty-seven, a touchdown. That's great. And then like you said, nobody else is worth anything right now especially like with all of the pieces they have julio ridley gage hurst and Gurley, and then matt ryan there's six pieces on this offense that you can can think about starting every single week and that's it all right let's move on to the other side of the ball adam thielen he had three catches for 51 in his justin jefferson though nine for 166 and two touchdowns Hopefully you were watching the live stream because we talked about Justin Jefferson said don't get yourself scared because of what happened the week before. Jefferson came out, 11 targets, by far and away led this team in targets. Irv Smith, 4 for 55. Second week in a row, he has been productive. Is Irv Smith finally taking the job from Kyle Rudolph? Yes and no. He got he led the he led the tight end position in snap percentage. Obviously had more targets, but it was only 5 to 4. He only had one more reception, only had eight more yards. We all want and can see that Smith needs to be getting more work, but this, this offense isn't doing that. They are choosing to feature their receivers more heavily, which is a, not a dumb decision because Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are very good wideouts. But Irv Smith can add a new wrinkle to this offense that they don't have right now. He can give you a guy a threat up the seam. He can give you a safe underneath option that is more than so. Kyle Rudolph is a safe underneath option, but he's not an at yards after the catch threat. Smith is an, enough of an athlete to where he can get you. Like if you give him a ten yard curl route, he might be able to break it for ten plus after that. And that's not something that you're going to get with Rudolph. Rudolph is going to if he catches it on the run, maybe. But Smith can break a tackle and make something happen with the ball. So. I want Irv Smith to be a thing. I would recommend going. I'm and picking him up. Him. Yeah. I was like, I was gonna say, I would recommend going and getting him if you're dealing with injuries or bye weeks or COVID or you just want a safe or an upside second option. But don't think, don't start him yet. Just wait until like he shows that they're going to feature him or try and trade him. Either way. Yeah. Uh, so let's go here. Washington and the football giants. Kyle Allen. Uh, well, while Drew Locke's stat line did not represent how well he played, Kyle Allen's stat line does not represent how poorly he played. Uh, he, man, he is, he's not good. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. No. Like, I tried to, wa- I was just trying to watch him. I was trying to be, like, subjective, but he he's just not good. I don't understand when Ron Rivera sees in him. But at the same time, he put this team in a position to win this football game. They didn't convert the final two-point 
the final two-point conversion to win the game. I don't know why you do the two-point there. There was like 10 seconds left in the game. Just freaking kick the field goal and send it to overtime. You Let's had your put team. It this way. Let's put it this way. Your riverboat Ron, so you go you everyone knows you go for gambles, but let's put it but you're one and four. You know you're not going to compete for anything. All you're doing is just going for pride. As a coach, you don't care about the draft picks. That's the GM's job. As a coach, your job is to give your team a chance to win. And no one like everyone in that locker room, I'm sure, already loves Ron Rivera. But they're going to love him even more when he comes out and like everybody see a lot of people here have seen the longest yard and we, we go for it all right as a Washington as the Washington football team there's no tomorrow there's no oh if we can string a few together you're not it's not going to happen the NFC East is bad but you're not going to make it happen so what do you do let's go for a win let's go for a win against the Giants. We're on the road. Let's go in and leave, keep them winless and show, yeah, we're bad, but you're worse than we are. So I understand the idea and the questioning of why are you going for it, yada, yada. I, I just think it. that they win the game in overtime. I think that's, that's why I question it because I think that they had the momentum at that time, whereas going for two is a much much riskier play. I think they win the game in overtime. But that's same perspective. I get it. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so I, like, I get the, the questioning of it, but – at the same time, there's I, I would rather you go for it. If my team is this bad, I would prefer my coach to go for it because I can live with that. I, I can live with that. I understand that certain fans won't be able to do that, but as a rational person, I can be like, you know what? My coach, is, my coach wants to win. My coach understands that our team is bad, and he could, he could easily just say, you know what? We're going to kick the field goal. If we win in overtime, great. If we lose in overtime, oh, well, we're not playing for this year anyway. He understands that he's got to show his guys this is our direction. We want to be a winning football team, change the culture, and start winning. Let's talk about this from a fantasy perspective, though. One, you're not starting Kyle Allen, period, point blank. Two, are you worried about Antonio Gibson Absolutely. now? JD McK- <laughs> McKissick outsnapped him and outtouched him 14 to 14 to 13. So it was actually kind of close. But McKissick does McKissick, way more with it. Eight for 41 with uh, on on the ground, and then he had six catches for 43 yards on six targets. So he he was just more productive with his opportunities. He had a total of what 83 or 84 yards. He had a 14 point day in PPR. That's a good day for McKissick. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you will you will take that all day long, especially he's the James White. DFS. He's the James White in Washington. That's what he is. He, he is. I agree. And except Chairman he's getting Moore. a rushing work, which is scary to me. He's getting the rushing work over Antonio Gibson. I am I am finally hitting the red panic button on Antonio Gibson. The one Do you think thing it's because Antonio Gibson's not a running back and JD McKissich is a running back? Do you think that has anything to do with it? <laughs> I mean the basic skills that requires to be a running back, very possible. Uh, the reason I'm hitting the panic button on Antonio Gibson, and I said this on my Twitter page, so you might have seen it. He's getting McKissick is getting more receiving work than Antonio Gibson. That was supposed to be the one thing that Antonio Gibson was able to provide you, and he's not even doing that now. He's still there's still there's still some work there. There's still some production, but at the same time, McKissick is out snapping him. He's out producing him. He's getting more opportunities. I can't start Antonio Gibson until something changes. Absolutely, yeah. I didn't start him. I had opportunities to start him in DFS and a couple other places, and I was like, nope, I can find a better option out there, and that's exactly what I did. Terry McLaurin showed up, 7 for 74, 12 He has targets. been showing up. 
He, I know, but I talked about on the live stream Sunday morning that I was a little worried because James Bradbury had been playing well, and I didn't get to watch a ton of this game. I watched a little bit here and there. I just didn't really feel like watching two bad quarterbacks play football. Bradbury had a pick, FYI. There you go, Brad. So Bradbury, and I'm sure that that was in shadow coverage of Terry McLaurin. So, but Terry is, I don't want to call him matchup proof, but he, because his quarterback's he's so bad. He's absolutely matchup proof. Well, so what I'm saying is, there's guys that are matchup proof because of their talent, and I think that he's matchup proof because of his talent. But in terms of his quarterback is so terrible, it's worth noting. Like if I see Washington going to play New England in New England and Kyle Allen's under center, I'm going to at least look at other receiver options over Terry just because that's going to be a rough outing for anybody. So that's more what I meant. Terry is absolutely matchup-proof talent-wise, but it's quarterback-wise is what makes me nervous with him. It's going to be really hard for me to find a more consistent wide receiver in the NFL right now. Other than Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, some of those guys. James Crowder. Yeah, those guys fall into certain categories of consistency that just has incredible value in my fantasy team. Seven catches on 12 targets. This is the fifth week in a row he's done that. You know, that this is... He, all he has to do is fall in the end zone. This is a wide receiver one week. So I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine playing McLaurin in almost any matchup at this point, regardless of who's under center. Uh, Logan Thomas, three catches, 42 yards, touchdown at the tight end position. That touchdown was really nice, actually. Uh, it was really... It was a really well... Uh, thrown ball actually from Kyle Allen one of the few and he made a really nice adjustment in the back of the end zone made a contested catch I was actually really surprised really impressed so Logan Thomas is a guy that keep an eye on again at the desolate tight end position wherever you can get the production you're probably going to take it so keeping an eye on Logan Thomas again moving forward Giants side Devontae Freeman uh, he's going to be giving you the solid 8 to 10 points in your flex, so you're keeping him on your roster. Uh, he had one catch for negative 4, but he had 18 carries for 61 yards. You're just hoping he falls in the end zone. This this Giants team, though, is just overall desolate. Uh, Darius Slayton, so sad. He had two catches for 41 yards. One of those was a touchdown, and he got hurt on the play. So I'm monitoring his ankle situation moving forward. You can see it. It looks like he may have just twisted it. I think he's going to be okay. He ended up walking up the field. Uh, Evan Ingram disappointing two catches 30 yards this is a matchup he needed to thrive in and he just did not so i don't know what i'm doing with evan ingram moving forward but it's probably nothing good yeah i i love the darius slayton at least got the touchdown because i'm still i still love darius slayton he's a consistent starter for me now evan ingram i i wish that he was he had a better quarterback a better offensive system just there's the talent is there and if you could just maybe give Green him, Bay, uh, <laughs> just about anywhere else, there's so many other way places that he could be successful. Yes, Green Bay is one of them. Just give, take him to a system that wants to feature him, and he can do so much for you. I don't know if the weather in New York or New Jersey was just awful, so that's why Daniel Jones only had 19 pass attempts on the afternoon. It's not like they were blowing him out. It was a 13-10 game at halftime. This was a close game. Why did you have 26 carries? And Daniel Jones was your leading rusher. Darius Slayton had one for negative three. So I just... Evan Engram needs to get the ball. Get the ball to your playmakers. This is why teams like Washington... Terry McLaurin had 12 targets. That is excellent. When you have Evan Engram and Darius Slayton combined for seven targets... They had as many well, targets. Slayton as... left in the first quarter. So okay, that's not fine. really fair. But so, okay, I get your then, point. Then let's move on then. 
Golden Tate had one target on the afternoon. I understand the Golden Tate is older, but you're telling me that in three quarters you found one target for your second best receiver? Do you think Sterling Shepard and him returning does anything for this offense? Maybe. It all depends on how like this team wants to play. Like if they I, I think that they're content to sit on leads and I and I think that that's a poor way to handle it. I'm a big believer of going for it. Try and score points. Run run it up. Like if you're a bad team, try and score points. Get your quarterback in a rhythm. 12 for 19 and 112 yards isn't how you do that. It's the same reason I don't agree with the way that the Broncos are handling Drew Locke. Move the ball. Try and take some shots. Do something. This boring Oh, I don't agree with nonsense. that, though. They, they were with Drew Locke. The Patriots were just making really good plays all over the place. But I, what, I, what I meant more was for Drew Locke, at the beginning of the year, they like were really, nope, hand the ball off. He wasn't throwing a ton. He was, he was taking very rare shots. They've, oh, they opened it up a little bit this week. And then it, it's just I want to see your young quarterbacks doing more. Dwayne Haskins, yeah, he's definitely the reason that you're only one in five. Nonsense. To give these young quarterbacks opportunities to make plays. You're not. You're never going to know if they can do it unless you give them that shot. You're. You're just not. You can say, "Oh well, in practice he made a great play," and then we got Joe Judge practicing in the rain because that's necessary. Fucking moron. All right, let's move on. Ravens Eagles. Eagles were very surprising in this game. They showed some fight. They came back. Uh, this is a team that could really be a spoiler down the road. Uh, as they get healthier, the overall Carson Wentz, I think, is getting hated on a little bit too much. Uh, I think he's trying to do everything he possibly can for this team, and it maybe has resulted in some bad, some, some bad numbers, some bad statistics. This dude, but this dude put the team on his back that final that final quarter, and he he kept them within the game. They ended up losing by two. They were down by about twenty points the majority of the game, but the they they fought back. Carson Wentz finished with two hundred and thirteen yards passing, two scores, uh, got sacked six times in this game, uh, had five carries or forty nine yards though. So there's that rushing floor that has that used to make Carson Wentz so valuable. This is the third week in a row he has put up a good rushing floor. So if he continues to do this, which I don't see why he wouldn't. He's gonna be. He's gonna remain fi- fantasy viable, and especially if he starts scoring, the, the read options are what this team can do well. And so, uh, Miles Sanders nine nine carries, one hundred eighteen yards, although seventy four came on one carry. So and he's also now out for. A uh, I think few they said one to two. They said one to two weeks today. Okay, so he's so, out with an injury, and also you said earlier, as they like you said, as they get healthy. By the way, quick note on Carson Wentz: he is QB four entering Monday night. Uh, for the week, for the week that is, not for the season. So he's, yeah, he played well. Zach Ertz, high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a few weeks. So for those of you that either roster Ertz or Goddard should be looking, coming back soon. Yeah, Goddard. If Goddard is for some reason available, go pick him up because Goddard is going to be heavily featured when he comes back. Travis Fulgham is. A he's going to remain viable. Yeah, he's going to remain viable. Even if Even Alshon Jeffrey comes. Yes, I gonna, because I, I say I, I think he takes over some of that receiving work from the tight ends that we came so accustomed to. I think you get Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, and Travis Fulgham as your main four pass catchers. The thing that I like about Travis Fulgham over some of these other guys, so and even Marquise Brown, who we'll get to in a second, Travis Fulgham had six for 75. He had 10 targets. That's great. Tied for the team lead with Zach Ertz. But he only had his longest catch of the day was only 19 yards. It's not like he's just getting a deep shot and doing something with it. Like John Ty- Hightower for the for Philly had four targets. Should have had a touchdown. Caught, he caught one for 50. 
versus Fulgham had six for 75, caught a touchdown, and it was only in his long was 19 yards. He's getting used all over the place, and I love guys that can do more than one thing. Obviously, deep threats are great, and we value them highly, hence why Tyreek Hill is a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy football, and Marquise Brown is an interesting option. Deshaun Jackson, for the longest time, was a great option. Fulgham is getting work everywhere, and that's great. I think that his role reduces a little when Jeffrey and Jackson and Rager are all back, but I do agree with you. I think he's still fantasy viable. If Goddard's not back this week, because I believe they play on Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think he returns this week. Are you playing Richard Rodgers? Only if I absolutely have to. Okay. Only if I absolutely have to. Uh, Let's move over to Baltimore. Speaking of absolutely have to, Boston Scott. Oh, Boston Scott. Yeah, play Boston Scott. I think you should temper expectations, though. If you get 10 points from Boston Scott, I think you should be happy. That's All right, well, I mean, you probably have Boston Scott as your RB3 or flex slash flex for the week so 10's good yeah especially with 16 i think six teams are on a buy in week seven yeah it's it's no no there's four teams on a buy this week six i think comes in a couple weeks it's about to go to baltimore though lamar jackson 16 for 27 186 yards and a touchdown not great but here it comes nine for 108 and a touchdown including a 37 yard run where he was basically untouched once he got clear of the pile yeah like he was. He got clear. And he does it once a week. Anybody, there wasn't anybody in the frame, man. It was gone. <laughs> it was. It was a no doubter. Uh, speaking of nine carries, nine carries for J.K. Dobbins, twenty-eight yards. Fourteen carries for a, um, an amazing twenty-six yards for Gus Edwards. Uh, and, and a touchdown. And a touchdown. Mark Ingram, five carries to twenty, but he's dealing with an injury now, so his question, his status is questionable. Who do you want, J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards? You have to What's pick my one. Format? Uh, is that gonna? Is that really gonna change things for you? Absolutely. Then I already know the answer. Because if it's standard, it's Gus Edwards. Even though he's averaging less than two yards per carry. He averaged less than two yards per carry in this game. I'm pretty sure on the year he's still averaging over four yards per carry. I don't I have. Know, the, it's uh, not good. My, I got my producer pulling up the numbers. Give me a second. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I, just, I think, is where I go. Cause I think, J.K. Dobbins gets receiving work, but he still didn't get that much. He only had two catches for one yard on the day with a long of four. On the year, Gus Edwards is averaging four and a half yards per carry. So outside of this game against a good Eagles front, yeah, he had a bad game, but he got a touchdown. He gets the, he gets the red zone and goal line work. And at the end of the day, volume and touchdowns are king for fantasy. He I'm got taking J.K. That's fine. Yeah, in uh, half and sta- and half and full PPR, I'm with you. I'm just saying, if you were playing in standard leagues, I would prefer Gus Edwards because I'm pretty sure Gus Edwards is still leading, is now leading the team in snaps. I'm, I'll, I don't know if the snaps have been. Uh, He's definitely leading in carries. Um, what do you think about these receivers? Yeah, I was just looking at Devin Duvernay. Uh, he's, I think he's a guy I'm probably stashing a little bit in deeper leagues. Uh, he's been getting some really creative touches. And so they've been getting uh, they've been getting creative with him for sure. Uh, Marquise Brown, I'm not worried about him. This is exactly what you expected from Marquise Brown. It's very Deshaun Jackson esque. You're hoping for the big play every week, but at the same time, he's actually providing you with a solid floor, seven eight yeah, points. He, yeah, because he, unlike Deshaun Jackson, he's getting about sixty yards per game. That's not great, but for a guy that you like that we all compare to to Deshaun Jackson because of the blazing speed and big playability. He seems to be getting 
a good number of yards each week. He's not getting that super high ceiling that we saw in week one of last season, but he's getting something. He's getting out there. He's making some plays as a flex option, which for where Brown was going in drafts this year, you likely didn't have to invest a premium pick to get him. So he's a flex option for you anyway. So for like we've said this whole podcast, if your flex option is getting you 10 to 12 points, you're happy with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, nothing else to note here. I mean, Mark Andrews had not a stellar day, but that'll that'll kick back. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. So, Brown Steelers, the other side of the AFC North here. Uh, gosh, where do we start? Browns are uh, bad. Just kidding. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Baker Steelers was not good. good. Baker Steelers was getting the good. snot beat out of him yeah. in this game. And... He, I, it's hard to say whether he got benched for injury or he got benched because they just wanted to stop the beating. But I think it's both because there was one play where he got hit hard. Like he was wrapped up already and like he somebody already had him around the ankles and he got rid of the ball and then uh, Cam, Bud Dupree had him around the ankles and then Cam Hayward came in and pancake flattened him. And he just he was on the ground. You could tell those ribs, and he was struggling to breathe a little bit. So, like Wyatt Teller, their best offensive lineman, was out for this game. And Teller has been playing damn good football. And he was out for this game. That made a huge difference. But this Steelers defense is just they're playing playing real, real good right now. Minka had a pick six. That's great. If you play IDP, you love that. For this offense, Kareem Hunt only had two. I'm not worried about too many pieces of the offense. I'm not worried about it. I think that they're going to have better weeks moving forward. I'm just saying it's something to note that Kareem Hunt, who we all say, oh, high floor because he gets receiving work, he only had two catches for 17 yards, only had three targets. I mean, Austin Hooper led the team in targets. So, Yep, five for 52 on six targets. It's great. OBJ had two catches on four. Jarvis Landry had three on five. I don't think we can – I don't think we can – Draw too much from it? From anything that we see here. So that's fair. Let's you know what? Let's leave the Browns of the past. We got a couple other games this week that we're going to leave kind of what we yes. saw in the past. What do you think about Pittsburgh? James Conner. Not what I expected here. I know the Browns rushing defense is not the best, but James Conner had a strong, 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 strong hold on this backfield. 20 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown, just grinding it out on the Pittsburgh side. Uh, Chase Claypool. Four catches, 74 yards on all four targets. James Washington. Carries for seven yards and a touchdown. Yes, they've been getting creative with him. The same thing I talked about with Devin DuVernay on Baltimore. Uh, They're doing that in Pittsburgh with Chase Claypool. Two weeks in a row, it's a thing now. He's a flexible option moving forward. Chase Claypool, four catches, 74 yards, but a total of six six touches for 81 yards and a score. Uh, You'll take that any day of the week. James Washington, don't buy it. Don't buy the hype. It was a good game for him. Do not buy the hype. He got the favorable matchup of not getting Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams or whoever else was out there. I don't know who the second corner is right now. But he he got the favorable matchup, and he took advantage of it. That's great. I'm not buying James Washington. Kevin Johnson is the second corner right now. Okay. Well, still. Uh, Eric Ebron, two catches for nine yards, nothing. Juju Smith-Schuster, two, care, or two catches for six yards, four targets do we do we chalk this up to the denzel ward treatment yes and no juju has been i don't know about you he has been the talk of twitter today specifically dynasty twitter i've been seeing people all over him all day he struggled to start the season he continues to put up not great performances 
And then because people are still a little older and immature, there's this like Juju put up a TikTok dancing on the field after the game, and people are like, glad you could put up this and be happy, but you can't do anything for my fantasy team. Dude, the guy's like pretty sure he's still like 22 years old, so back off. But I think the Juju's going to have better weeks, but at the I same time. I have most certainly been putting out feeler options or feeler, feeler deals for Juju. But at the same time, he is the wide receiver one. He's going to see an opposing team's best corner. If you go up against a, a if you go up against a team that has a guy like Denzel Ward, Jair Alexander, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, who he's going to play soon, those are guys that can shadow. Uh, this week against Tennessee, I think he can bounce back though because Tennessee's still dealing with injuries to all of their corners. So I think that this is the week where Juju and this entire receiving court can kind of bounce back because. This Tennessee defense is still not playing up to snuff. They're dealing with injuries in the secondary. If Juju struggles again this week, we might have a conversation. But for right now, I'm still I'm still in on him. All right, let's move on. Bears-Panthers. Um, went exactly as we thought it would. Uh, this game was disgusting in every single way possible. I did think that the rushing attack for Chicago would be better. But you know what? I think they're just going to suck. I don't. I, I'm done making excuses for this running game. Uh, 19 carries, 58 yards for David Montgomery. The volume is there, but the production is not, and it will not be. I do. I am. How losing. much of this game did you watch? Uh, I watched a good amount. I was watching Red Zone, but I'll say this: Montgomery. The reason he's not getting production, he's not getting a chance. Like he's he. Like I understand everyone's like. Oh, I know the offensive 19. line has been bad. It, the offensive line is bad bad. Bad, bad. Yes. like they—they they are Philadelphia Eagles linebackers. Bad. Why do you think you see me tweet out my weekly free David Montgomery? Because I—I've watched this. I watched this guy get the carry and instantly get met in the backfield and still get two yards. So yeah, the, everyone's everyone's sitting here ragging on him. I'm like, dude, let him get let him get to the line of scrimmage before he gets hit, and then let's see what he can do. He could average more than three yards per carry if he could just get to the line of scrimmage before he's got to start dodging everyone ever like that was the whole thing is he doesn't go down like coming out of college it's oh he's got great contact balance you're not going to tackle him yada yada he's he's dodging everyone i would i don't have his missed tackle numbers up in front of me but i'm sure he's high up there because he dodges three tacklers in the backfield before he ever makes it past the line of scrimmage he had four catches for 39 yards yeah. on five targets he's still got a nice great floor though. you're just looking a little bit for a little bit more production in the running game and to fall in the end zone at some point he was still got a so good floor close. i know he, he was. was so close and then nick Foles vultured it and then we, we were almost well my prediction of mike davis and montgomery both being rb1s i feel like was really close <laughs> but it probably came out as we thought it would coming into the week mike davis was a borderline rb1 and montgomery was a touchdown away from being an rb1 so Overall, you're still playing Montgomery every single week. Provides you great, a great, great floor. You're going to get 10 points a week from him. But if he falls in the end zone once or twice, like he's going to put up some really good weeks moving forward. Oh, Mike Davis had a fumble. I was like, I feel like he had a better day. He finishes like RB17 in PPR. The reason why is he had a fumble at one point, uh, which was what kind of caught that. Actually, that fumble turned out to be a really, really huge play in this game because Chicago converted – all three of the turnovers that they generated into points outside of outside of the Nick Foles bonehead interception. That was awful. That was terrible. That that was awful. And I'm like, yeah, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky was the problem. Sure. 
All right, sure. let's let's continue talking about these Bears. Eight targets for Jimmy Graham, five catches, thirty-four yards. Uh, Allen Robinson still leading the team in targets. Not a surprise there. Five catches, fifty-three yards. He'll have better days. This was not the matchup. We knew that, but he's still you're still playing him as probably a wide receiver one every week on your team. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, five five targets, three catches for thirty-six yards. Still holding and waiting there. Uh, I think that there's some room. Uh, Anthony Miller, you could probably let go. I, I yeah, love I the player, but performing that I do, Anthony Miller. I'm, I love I'm, the player, but Chicago has killed him and ruined him for me. So it is now Darnell Mooney over Anthony Miller, and I'm so sad to admit that. Um, well, I will say one thing about Miller, though. Really early in the game, it was third and short. It was third and four, and he has the first down. He catches the ball right at the sticks, and he's gonna fall forward, and then he tries to jump back make a play and ends up two yards short of the line and then they turn the ball like then they have to punt and it's like dude just quit trying to do too much that's that's his whole problem he's always trying to do too much with the ball and there's always those guys that are trying to run horizontal it's like just go vertical so take what the defense gives you you caught the ball at the sticks fall down and you have a first down that's all you gotta do robbie anderson dj Moore, dj Moore, two weeks in a row now performing well over 90 yards the last two weeks five for 93 there Robbie and he had eleven targets. That was the big thing. Robbie Anderson four for seventy-seven. <sighs> big days. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, gonna have better days. We knew this was gonna happen going against against the Bears defense. That's fine. But I want to talk about the eight carries for forty-eight yards. The floor, the rushing floor is nice. Keep that up, and Teddy yeah. Bridgewater is gonna be a consistent top sixteen quarterback play. So especially I'm- in bye weeks, but he, yeah, he's gonna have easier matchups. This Bears defense is ferocious. They were after him all afternoon, four for 25, and they nearly got a safety on him really early in the game. So he's the rushing floor is there. It was nice to see him being a little athletic because after his whole knee blow up in Minnesota, we were all worried, could he ever be that again? He showed that um, his offensive line needs some work, and he showed that he can make some plays with his feet. He does need to have better ball security. The, uh, the first pick was his fault for forcing it into a situation that he didn't need to. He nearly had a he actually nearly had 3 picks on the day. Eddie Jackson had a ball that got caught, popped up immediately. He caught it, returned it for a pit, for a pick 6 and it got called back because of a penalty, which is his second pick 6 of the year that's gotten called back from a penalty. So Bridgewater needs to he's more needs to be more secure with the ball and not try and force it, but he's also going to have much easier matchups than a Bears defense that is playing top 5 football right now. Absolutely. Moving on, Lions Jaguars. All I have to say about this game is DeAndre Swift. We talked about it on the live stream. He yeah, came out. I wonder if and we he, talked about that on the live stream. Yeah, I feel like Well, we I, had him I, our consensus, I think we had him as nineteen on the week. So he we, we were the as a site, uh, Jimmy included here, we were all high on him coming into this game. Uh, you did bring him up as uh, I think it was your Sleeper. My sleeper of the week. Of I the had week. him as a. I think I had a top fifteen option for the week. Obviously, he finished. Uh, I think is he's running back two on the week. Uh, entering the Monday night games, he's just that like point eight ahead of uh, Ronald Jones in PPR. And we'll talk about Ronald Jones too uh, in a little bit here. But yeah. yeah, DeAndre Swift. I think he is starting to get. We mentioned it on the live stream that he's starting to get more of a handle on the carries. And we saw that this week. Carryon Johnson has been left for dead in this offense. We knew that. But this week just confirmed it. Adrian Peterson had 15 carries for 40 yards. I think we start to see those numbers go down. I think DeAndre Swift becomes the primary guy. He was getting goal line work in this game. That's why he got the rushing touchdowns. 
And Adrian Peterson is going to become the spellback, with Carrion Johnson being the ultimate spellback in the uh, third string role. Kenny Galladay, still a beast. Uh, Danny Amendola, two, car- two catches on two targets. Uh, that's about it. Marvin Jones, two catches on eight and five targets for eight yards. It's a Sorry, it's a bad day for him. Uh, TJ Hawkinson saved his day with a touchdown, two catches, 17 yards on five targets. Overall, this game was pretty gross, I think. There was not a lot to take away from it, just DeAndre Swift, really. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a jag. He's just a guy, (laughs) no pun intended there. And then James Robinson also might be a jag. Uh, I think that we're finally starting to see that. Still getting the volume, 12 carries, 29 yards. This is not a good uh, Lions run defense. Um, James Robinson also had four four catches catches for 24 yards uh so a total of 16 touches for 53 yards and a touchdown he did get a a receiving touchdown he man but i'm just saying like if you i know that there's been a lot of discussion on the fantasy community twitter about selling high on guys and selling low on guys this is one you should have sold high on because he was going for he was going for a first round pick plus in some formats and absolutely you need to sell high on him i I I don't want to sit here and brag, but the just for some perspective here, I put together a deal with James Robinson as a centerpiece to get Saquon Barkley. Like yeah, that's I that's saw how deals like that. Not that's, Saquon Barkley specifically, but I saw deals getting posted in Twitter. I saw deals in leagues of James Robinson being a centerpiece for a major player deal, and I'm like, this guy has played three, four games when these deals went down, and you're trading him for an established talent. James Robinson, there's no guarantees the starter by the end of the season. If Ryquel Armstead, hopefully hopefully he gets his COVID situation figured out. Hopefully that's not a long-term thing, but there's no guarantee if he doesn't, there's no guarantee Robinson's the starter next year even. And the system's going to be dramatically different because Jay Gruden, there's no way they hired Jay Gruden as the, as the head coach. A different right? quarterback, different coaches. Yeah. I, I have to believe that as well. Uh, I think Keelan Cole heard us talking about him on the podcast. He went off six ca- six catches, 143 yards, uh, along a 51 on nine targets. DJ Chark had 14 targets, seven catches, 45 yards. Uh, pretty pretty negligible after that. Lavisca Chanel had seven targets, didn't do much with it. Three catches for 10 yards. Yeah, uh, that that really burned. Uh, I had Chanel. I had a lot of exposure to him in DFS this week. There'll be better I got weeks. Bit- but. There will be better weeks, but it's not great when you put money on it to have a good week. So I think, like, I know that he'll have better weeks. I just thought this was a really good matchup, and he's gonna catch more than seven targets more more often than not. DJ Chark kind of he he got me by having fourteen targets, but only, then again, he only had forty five yards. It's not like he was lighting up the scoreboard. Did, was Akuda was Akuda shadowing him? I did not see. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I only got bits and pieces of this game. I was flashing around to some of the more interesting or more important games. Like I watched the Baltimore game. I was watching the Houston game, uh, the Bears game, Colts game. Those kinds. Of, that's what I was focused on for the one o'clock slate. For the most part, even if he's shadowing him, you t- you're telling me he couldn't get more than six yards per catch? Come on, DJ Shark's good player. I think he's gonna have better weeks. Keelan Cole is a flex option every week. Visca Chenault's a low-end wide receiver two flex option as well. Um, Gardner, are you willing to play Gardner like as a high-end QB2? High-end QB2? No, as a legitimate middle-of-the-road QB2 probably. I mean, even though I'm pretty sure he's a top like 12 option at quarterback on the Yeah, year. I just don't think he's that good. Sorry. No, no I, that's I, fine. Like, as, a, as a quarterback, that's fine. But for fantasy, he's 
I think what I'm well. saying he's, is I think that QB evens out. QB14 on the year? I think that evens out. And I think, you think it evens out? I think he drops. Well, I mean, QB14 is about, I guess, where I expect him to be. Maybe a couple points lower. That's but... what I fa- That's what I call a QB2. Like, a high-end QB2 is QB14 for me because I go Yeah, I don't think he stays there. I think, I think he sits more around 20 by the end of the year. Yeah, he he does also have guys behind him like Rodgers that have had their bye and Derek Carr, Cam Newton. Big Ben, Drew Brees. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. Let's go. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. All right, Dolphins Jets. I know you were waiting to talk about this one. Uh, oh. The goose egg from the Jets. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse in New York, it does. And did, did you see Adam Gase talk about his ten step plan and how they're only on step two? <laughs> anyway, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Just go on Twitter and look it up. Uh, Frank Gore was the lead back here, 11 carries for 46 yards. The, the Michael P. Ryan had 7 for 27. Uh, Joe Flacco was not good. Uh, not not a news flash there. Uh, Jameson Crowder is the only piece of this offense you want. Rashad Perryman did play this week. Four catches, 62 yards. So if he continues to do that, he'll be a decent flex play. And he had eight targets. Eight but targets he did well. have eight targets. So keep an eye on that, but I'm not playing Perryman yet. But Crowder, you can still play. He got 13 targets, seven, car- seven catches, 48 yards. I don't think there's anything else to talk about with the Jets. Let's go on to the Dolphins' side of the ball. Fitzpatrick had a Fitzpatrick game. So he threw three touchdowns, but then threw two bad picks. And so I can't trust Fitzpatrick from week to week to week. I just can't do it. Like, how does he go up against arguably a better San Francisco 49ers team and do what he does, and then come out against the Jets and do what he does? We got a Tua siding this week, which was not related to the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was just because the team was uh, winning so easily. Miles Gaskin was probably the most impressive part of this Miami offense. 18 carries, 91 yards, no scores. Uh, but he's putting together solid flex play uh, He had 4 for 35 for in the air, too, which gave him a 16-point yeah. week for for PPR. and that's So that's awesome to see out of Miles Gaskin because the whole thing was – can he be the guy? Because there was obviously the rumors of Le'Veon Bell coming in. Le'Veon Bell didn't come in. Gaskin was the guy. Played well. Um, He's Matt just Field. a guy, though. If you have him on your dynasty teams, I'm trying to capitalize now because I do think that, the Dolphins draft a running back. For dynasty, yes. For redraft, I think he's a low-end RB2, high-end flex option. I agree. Uh, the only wide receiver I want any part of right now in Miami is Devontae Parker. I don't want anybody else. I love else. the fact that Mike Kosicki is the only tight end that didn't score. It was awesome. <laughs> It's he f- he made me look so smart <laughs> because what did I say? He would be he's got a great master matchup and he's still going to struggle. What happened? Two targets. Yeah. No catches. Yeah. Gusecki. I look so intelligent. It's what well, we, we said. it. I mean, I agree with you because he did the same thing against Seattle. Had a good matchup there, but he just struggled. And so he's just you're going to have to be really uh, hedge your bets with Kasiki moving forward because you just don't know what you're going to get from him. I'll right. say this. If you own him in Dynasty, I would try and get a good week out of him and then sell him as hard as you can. Pair him, it, pair him with a pick and upgrade his tight end. That's what I would do. That that or yeah, any anything else I would like I would try and get value for him while you can. He's not showing anything and I don't think that there's I don't think that they're going to keep like trying to feed him. They're clearly not. Adam Shaheen got the goal line target. Durham Smythe had a goal line target. Mike Kisicki had two with targets, that being he said, he had zero target or two targets. He had zero catches on two targets. I still think he's an important part of the offense. I do believe that. I just, I do agree with. I'm trying to sell him though from a dynasty perspective. So moving on though, Rams and Niners. What a weird game as well. I can't get a gauge on this Niners team. 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, 23 of 33, 268 and three. I still don't think he's that good. The the game plan was really good from Kyle Shanahan in this game. The Raheem Mostert, 17 carries, 65 yards. Jamichael Hasty, nine carries for 37. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, six for 18. Uh, no Jeff Wilson. I think he was hurt in this game. So that's where the Jamichael Hasty carries come from. Uh, so depending on, because Raheem Mostert has now been placed on IR, it's the Jeff Wilson, Jarek McKinnon show again. Uh, you're playing the same game you were playing a couple weeks ago with Jarek McKinnon getting most of the work and Jeff Wilson getting the goal line work. Uh, Jermichael Hasty is probably going to get left behind unless one of those guys gets injured. Uh, George Kittle had a George Kittle day. Debo Samuel had a good day. Six catches, 66 yards, one touchdown on six He's targets. Again. He is startable again. again. We were yeah. waiting to see. We have now waited. We have now seen. He is a startable asset for fantasy again. Brandon Ayuk. I think this is a week where I go and try and make a play in a trade for Brandon Ayuk. He had three carry or three uh, three targets, two receptions for twelve yards and a touchdown. This is a week I'm going to try and make an offer to the Ayuk owner and seeing what I can get. Yeah, you might be able to get him for a low end price, but well, just with Debo having a big week and then Ayuk having a relatively not good week, only scoring the touchdown. I, this is like this is how you kind of fluctuate the windows, how to intercept them. You know, taking the team and the environment of the team, and then looking at that individual individual player, uh, and then kind of kind of going from there. Let's look at the Rams side. Uh, Daryl Henderson, <laughs> where is Cam Akers? Not a single carry here. One snap on the entire evening. Had so, one target. Didn't do jack squat. We're we all will pissed. not be talking about Cam Akers on this podcast again until he has substantial amount of snaps or carries or both, and it does not look like that's coming anytime soon. It's the Daryl Henderson show again. We had a bad week last week uh, in Daryl Henderson season, but Daryl Henderson season is back, and we are going to move forward here. He had 14 carries, 88 yards. He should have had a touchdown too, but we're not going to talk about it. So wide receivers for the Rams. Um Ball was just spread out a lot, and Robert Woods is a approaching a must-play every week if he wasn't already. So He already was for me, but that's just because I've had shares of Robert Woods basically every year since he's been in L.A., so I've seen him perform on a week-to-week basis. And uh, when I first rostered him, I was under the idea, oh, he's not startable every week. But no, he is a startable every week guy. He gets a consistent amount of targets. He had 10 this week. He didn't do a ton with them, 4 for 29, but he got a touchdown. He had two carries for 11 yards. He gets involved in so many ways in this offense. They're always trying to get him the ball. So he is startable every week. He is a wide receiver, too. He doesn't have a crazy high ceiling. So, like, there's other guys like Keelan Cole, who we mentioned earlier, has a high sky-high ceiling because he's a supreme athlete. Robert Woods doesn't have that, but Robert Woods gives you a safe floor. They're going to get him touches every week, no matter what. doesn't matter the matchup. He's going to see touches. Cooper Cup is the one I'm more interested in here. Three for 11 on nine targets. Didn't do anything. And this is the third week in a row now that what we've seen out of Cooper Cup is if he doesn't get the big play, he has a bad game. He didn't get the big play, and he had a bad game as a result of it. Still had nine targets. Yeah, he he, do, he did, and I, get, and I understand that, and he had four more than any other receiver on the team, but the thing is, this is the third week in a row where, like, so la- the last two weeks, he got a big play and, and scored a touchdown. This week, didn't get a big play, didn't score a touchdown, had a bad week. It is something to monitor. I'm still yeah. not benching Cooper Cup, but it is something that I'm monitoring. Also, with the tight ends, I they're gross. I don't like it. Yeah, it's, you can't pick... Athlete. You can't yeah. pick either one of them right now. 
Yeah. So unless you're desperate, like I, if you're desperate, I would say start Tyler Higby and hope yes, for a touchdown. I agree. But but I don't like either one of them. And not much else to talk about from this game. Let's go. We got one game left here. And it's, it's the game that you almost and I like I. <laughs> it's almost like I saved the worst game for last. <laughs> yeah, I saw you skip it. Okay, so. <laughs> Yeah. So Green Bay gets rolled on the road, 10 to 38. Aaron Rodgers throws two picks, 160 yards, 16 for 35, sacked four times on the afternoon. Speaking of games, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna take any long-term fantasy outlook from. This is one yeah. of those games. Yeah. No. I for on the Green Bay side, I'm not taking anything from this game. Rodgers is gonna have better games. I talked to a lot of people about this in like Twitter DMs and online, just in at work and whatnot, where. People are like, oh, Green Bay was overrated. No, Green Bay needed every little thing to go wrong in order to lose this game. Did you know that Green Bay has lost its last six games coming out of the bye? Uh, they've lost five out of six because they oh, beat. sorry. They beat the they beat the Giants. I saw that same tweet that you did. Yeah, and I, at first I saw I thought I saw all losses. A lot of them were blowouts. <laughs> yes. So. No, but they lost to the Giants. Uh, they beat the Giants. That was their and Matt Lafleur has never lost two games in a row, so they'll bounce back against a good Titans. Or I'm sorry, Titans Texans team next week. Yeah, but yeah, but so Bakhtiari left with an injury. Aaron Rodgers had to throw not one but two picks on the afternoon. One that was returned for a touchdown. That, one that nearly that was second quarter for a was just just this everything that needed to go wrong. Tampa Bay, who was the most penalized team in football entering the game, had no penalties on the game. Everything Gronk, who had looked washed for five weeks, had far and away his best game of the career, of the season. Everything that needed to go Tampa Bay's way and and against Green Bay went that way. You're gonna have games. This is one of those, not karma, but what's the? I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. Just the, all of the dice fell your way. You're at the casino and you're pulling the slot machine and you keep coming up sevens. Green Bay was coming up nothing but X's and zeros and whatever other terms you want to use. It's going to flip. It's going to flip the other way. They're going to have better games. Aaron Jones is going to be better. Devontae Adams had six for 61. It's not what you want, but he's going to have better weeks. Just don't take too much from the Green Bay side. On the Tampa side, Ronald Jones is the guy. You're I'll talk about Ronald Jones week. real quick. Yes, Ronald Jones is absolutely the guy in Tampa. Which is why I'm selling him. So okay, I the was reason like, I was okay. waiting for the dramatic pause. Did I see what I did there? So yeah, the dramatic right. pause of I'm selling Ronald Jones. Here's the reason why. The biggest thing that you've been waiting on, and this is from a dynasty perspective. This is just me coming back at it from from a redraft perspective. I'm probably holding on to every single Ronald Jones share I can get. But from a from a dynasty perspective, this Buccaneers team has continually added running backs now i know that ronald jones is only in his third year right so third year third so this is when you expect these guys to make this leap which is why i was not worried about ronald jones however the reason i'm selling is because i do believe the bucks continue to look to add a running back and while ronald jones is getting the value he's actually production wise he's actually a little bit under a he's below average just a little bit and as much as i love the player I think this is a perfect opportunity to take Ronald Jones and how high his value is right now. And you talked, I talked about selling James Robinson and packaging him for Saquon Barkley. You're not going to sit there and tell me every day of the week you wouldn't want to have Saquon Barkley over Ronald Jones. So depending on I your situation, saw a deal today for Barkley, it was Kareem Hunt and Chris Godwin for Saquon Barkley and Jerry Judy. 
God, I would take that every day of the week. Saquon Barkley is so undervalued right now. I am going to take Ronald Jones and see if I can go get an Ezekiel Elliott, if I can go get a Saquon Barkley, or if I can go get a comparable running back plus. This is how you dynasty. I'm looking forward past this year. I love Ronald Jones this year, but I do see the cloud of uncertainty and doubt moving forward. Yeah, um, definitely not selling him in redraft. I wanted to make sure that was like when you said you're selling him. I'm like, no, in redraft, you do not sell running backs at all. No, I said that unless you're getting like multi. Yeah, I was like, unless you're getting multiple running backs back. That's this one is thing. and this is a like, scenario of just trying to maximize the cap the value of the current player. Like if you know, I'm not going to go out. I'm not selling Ronald Jones because I think he's bad. I'm just trying to see if I can take him and put together a deal that I would not have been able to make two weeks ago to get a guy like Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott. Man, getting Ezekiel Elliott would be awesome, but it's going to be so hard to get him. His stock is still so high all over the place. What are you doing with Mike Evans, who only had one catch for 10 yards on two targets? Uh, well, it was Jair Island, so. <laughs> Which I did Man. not think they would do it, but they did. They put they put Jair on Mike Evans quite frequently, and it worked. Yeah. Um, I It's like Jair is good or something, man. It's crazy, right? He, the, hey, he his name did not get mentioned on the broadcast, if I remember correctly. Uh that's a good Other thing. Other than the, the only time he got mentioned was on that tackle he had on the Ronald Jones screen right. for or not screen but dump off for two right. yards where he's like Jair is quickly developed into one of the top corners in this league. I was like, there you go. You guys yes, got, you guys said something good. Other than game. that, he does not. His name does not get mentioned, and that is all you need to know about that. Uh, Chris Godwin, he'll have better games as well. The pat, you know, the passing defense, the secondary in Green Bay is not bad the play calling and the schematics of where they are lining up where the situational awareness of the man calling the plays i'm not going to sit here and go on to a mike Patton rant but the situational awareness does not exist the players are doing the best with what they're being told to do they they went up against two really good wide receivers and a hall of fame tight end and rob gronkowski and they held their own. This entire secondary did without Kevin King. Now you can you can go out there and say, well, the Bucks were up by a lot in the second quarter going forward, and so they just ran the ball with Ronald Jones. That's great. You still held Mike Evans to one catch for ten yards. You still held Chris Godwin, one of the quickest ascending players in all of the NFL, to five catches for forty-eight. You still held. Rob Gronkowski, who have, who made a fantastic play, a Hall of Fame tight end, to five catches for seventy-eight. And he made a fantastic play on a on a play in the end zone for a touchdown. But yeah, he he had they, there was a couple of those catches that Gronk made that were literally there's nothing you can do. That was the definition of everything that can go right went right. There, like Amos in the on that touchdown was in pristine coverage. There was nothing better that he could do there. He did everything right, and it was one of those cases of just you you tip your cap, you say, you know what, you got me. There's nothing I can do. Even Ronald Jones running the ball, 23 carries, 113 yards. 25 of those yards came on one play. So that's 22 carries for 88 yards. That's four yards a carry. And he wasn't doing anything early. Like Josh Jackson had that flying tackle on that short third down early in the game. 
he just had so much time to like if this team was playing aggressive defense and like playing up tight and maybe keeping things close it would have been a different story but he had the whole third quarter third and fourth quarter to just like run the ball that's all they had to do your defense is already beat up and they're just like okay let's just go home run the clock I'm not saying that they were letting him run I'm just saying that he didn't exactly have to work a ton for his yards no he did not and looking at the Bucks side of the ball I'm not this was a weird game this is a throwaway game from a fantasy perspective one I probably will not reference again in terms of fantasy there's just not much to take away here. It was so it was so fluky in a lot of ways. I, I there's just no no conclusions for me to make. I, I'm with you there. I I don't got much to add to this game at all. All right, perfect. Let's let's put this one behind us and never talk about it again. All right. So uh, with that, we can begin to sign off here. That was the entire uh, week six minus Monday Night Football, which we will be covering on Thursday evening. Uh, we haven't decided on a time, but it's most likely going to be six thirty Eastern. We'll be going live. Gage and I will be to start our week seven preview. We will review the two Monday Night Football games on that show. But please stop by. It'll be the same place that we do our live streams on Sunday morning. Uh, it'll be on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, please. Please drop by to supply your questions. We're going to treat it as a uh, week seven preview and a mailbag episode type thing. So please come over and drop your questions so we can uh, talk about them on the show and get them on the podcast. So if you can't make it on Thursday, uh, it will release as a normal podcast on Friday morning. So that way you're not missing out on any of that content. Uh, But until then, make sure you're checking out all the other content that Game on Wisconsin is putting out. The Jamal Williams show, the... uh, the happy hour show with Maggie and Perry, the pre-snap show with, there's so many people involved. It it's really is a one-stop shop on Sunday mornings for you. So make sure you're checking all of that out. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Like, comment, subscribe, uh, click the bell on YouTube. So you're not missing our live streams. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's really it. Gage, do you have anything to add for the week for the, for the listeners? Nope. I'm good. All right. Then until next time, go pack, go. Go.